Now you're on. Okay. <clears throat> so uh, this is the Labor Day crowd. Huh? Okay. Right. I'm glad you're all here. Um, I, uh, I wanted to share this morning about um, what I call hitting the wall uh, spiritually. And um, you know, those are those times when we have more questions than answers. And um, our understanding, being limited as it is, doesn't allow us to, I think, comprehend spiritually things that happen. But through those times that we hit the wall, you know, God <clears throat> grows our faith and draws us nearer to him by helping us over the wall. Um, and I got thinking about this because of something that happened to me recently when I was traveling. I was alone, as I usually am, and um, my car brakes began to malfunction. And I've fixed my car brakes many times, and I thought, well, I can fix this. And the problem was it was raining, and I didn't have all my tools. And I wasn't at my house. <laughs> and, um, uh, you know, I had planned for this trip. I checked the car. I I'd, I'd, uh, planned ahead the route I would take and, and all that. And But um, I still ended up in this situation where it was very dangerous for me to continue. But I had places to be, and... And um, I said, Lord, you know, why did this happen? Why, why did I not, you know, know all the things I need to know to keep this from happening? And I've fixed this before. How come I can't now? And it was very frustrating for me because, you know, I thought that I could reason this through. I could figure it out. And the, really the answer was I couldn't. I needed to just say, Lord, help me find a stranger that can fix this. <laughs> and... Um, you know, when I think I, when I'm, when we emptied of all of our pride and our, uh, our confidence in ourselves, <laughs> and, and we ask the Lord, you know, he always answers. Um, but sometimes those things stand in the way. And I call that, you know, hitting the wall where I just can't make sense of, of what's happening. Um, you know, sometimes our, our own experiences and our, our, our way we've handled it in the past even gets in the way because we want to do the same thing again, but we can't, um, and so, uh, you know, this is kind of a crisis thing for me because, like I say, it was it was uh, dangerous for me to continue, but, you know, I had to get home. And so, um, thankfully, you know, when I turned to God, as we, we asked about this morning, I found out how near he already was. And, um, you know, it just took me getting to that place of, of, of asking and saying, Lord, help me. And, and you know, I, I can't do this without you. I don't know what to do. So I had way more questions than I had had answers. Um, and I was reminded of this um, when I read through um, Psalm 73 last week. You know, Greg mentioned one verse from the end of the psalm um, <clears throat> in his message about how it was good to be near to God. And I decided, well, I'll read the whole thing you know, one day and, and see what else it says in there. Um, and at the beginning of Psalm 73, it's it's a... Uh, uh, a different uh, situation <laughs> than the end. Uh, the psalmist is expressing you know, his despair at seeing uh, that the wicked live a life of ease um, and peace and prosperity. And the psalm ends, in a, you know, he's in a very different place. But um, uh, you know, for the first, I think, 12 verses or so, it's, it's very despairing. It's a very emotional um, 
moment, and, and the psalmist expresses that in words that I think we all can relate to, you know, from time to time. We've wondered, you know, why is it that um, people who don't follow the Lord seem to have the peace and, and the, the, some of the promises that, that, that God promises to us? And, um, but then the psalm ends with some verses that we've probably used in songs, such as in verse 25, where it says, Whom am I in heaven but you? And there is none on earth that I desire besides you. And then to verse 26, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. So you see at some point in the psalm, there's a, there's a transition from looking at the, the, the outward things and what seems to be to what really is. And, and the psalmist changes his focus from looking at what he sees with his eyes and, and, and looking at God and who God is. And that's why he's here some of the... Um, these verses used in songs. It's really talking about um, focusing on the Lord and not the things that we see around us. But, you know, the psalmist can't really comprehend why, why, how can this be? These people don't fear God, but there seem to be no consequences that he can see that from their wickedness and, and arrogance. Um, Psalm 73 is, is uh, credited to the psalmist uh, Asaph, um, and Asaph um, was a Levite. He was uh, one of the leaders in David's choir. Uh, he's mentioned in Psalm 50 and Psalm 73 through 83. He was a skilled musician like David and apparently a successful father because the sons of Asaph are referred to in First Chronicles 25 and Second Chronicles 20, as well as the book of Ezra. So if we read uh, the first uh, 26 verses or so, it says, starts out with a, uh, a great statement. Truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But then in verse 2, we see some laments and despair um, from the psalmist. He says, but as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out through fatness. Their hearts overflow with folly. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily, they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens and their tongues strut through the earth. Therefore, his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. And they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the wicked, always at ease. They increase in riches. All in vain have I kept my heart clean and wished my hands in innocence. For all the day long have I been stricken and rebuked every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task. Until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I discerned their end. Truly, you set them on a slippery place. You make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors. Like a dream when one awakes, O Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in my heart, I was brutish and arrogant, ignorant. 
Um, but I was like a beast toward you. Nonetheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me in your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. So Asaph was at a crossroads. He's uh, kind of hit the wall, as I'll say, um, where he can't really understand why these things are that that seem to be um, in him. He doesn't get God's perspective until he about uh, verse 17, where he says, I went into the sanctuary of God and I discerned therein. And so, you know, these, this is called a, a psalm of lament in some cases. And it's not the only one. Um, you know, in Psalm 10, uh, there's the question, Why, O Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? And in Psalm 22, David cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. Now, the Psalms don't end like this, but there are several Psalms that um, start off with the despairing question like that. And, um, you know, these are part of the inspired word of God. I think that in a world where there's hurt and pain, that we need to be able to find these words and relate to them. And it says something about the relationship between God and the person who's writing it, that they could bring up something like this um, and it be okay. Um, You know, in Psalm 13, David asked, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? And in other places in the Bible, we find, you know, Uh, despairing questions like this. Um, And in every case, God answers, and God, I think, turns us to see that he's close, uh, even in these times um, when we ask these questions. And in times of of suffering, you know, God uses suffering like that to build our character and to grow our faith. Um, So if we look again at the Psalm 73, it starts off with an ultimately true statement, God is good. Um, but then uh, Asaph looks around, and from a human perspective, it seems like uh, there are some things he can't make sense of, he can't logically understand. Uh, he's uh, despairing at the prosperity of the wicked in verse 3. He's despairing at the peace of the wicked in verses 4 and 5. And he's despairing of the pride of the wicked in verses uh, 6 through 12. Um, in there, we also see the wicked make fun of God's people and um, and seem to have a carefree uh, life of, of riches. Uh, and he's very despairing in verse 13 where he asks, Surely in vain have I kept my heart pure. In vain have I washed my hands in innocence. And certainly from a human perspective, um, you know, there doesn't seem to be that reward from walking with the Lord. But that's a very short-sighted view. And, you know, um, God turns his perspective to looking at who God is instead of his you know, outward circumstances. And then he realizes the precarious position that these unrighteous people are in, that their houses are built on rock slides um, and that their end is ruin. Um, now, the Bible says that, you know, some of those people will bow before 
Jesus, right? That every tongue, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord. So, um, you know, that is the the future. Um, but you know, at, at times it's very difficult to understand. Um, I decided to describe hitting the wall as a very disorienting experience <laughs> um, where we have this one view and our understanding and we think we know how things are going to be, but then something happens and it's very disorienting and we're, we're only reoriented when the Lord uh, turns our head, I think, and, and we find uh, uh, that we can uh, adjust our perspective uh, to more, more closely match you know, the, the the way God sees things. And this happened to other people in the Bible. I, I think um, the Apostle Peter is a good example of someone who had several times when he, he came up against a wall in, of his, his limited understanding of you know, who Jesus was and what he was up to and who God was and where he was taking him. If we look, for example, in Matthew uh Chapter 16, Jesus foretells of his death and, and resurrection, starting in verse 21. It says, From that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan, for you are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And so, you know, in Peter's understanding, Jesus wasn't going to suffer and be persecuted. He was going to be triumphant and change the leadership of Jerusalem and all the Jewish people. Um, but uh, God had a different plan. And so when he begins to reveal that, you know, Peter disagrees and, and then the Lord rebukes him. Um, Peter's ready to be alongside God, you know, and, and sitting at his right hand, or sitting at Jesus' right hand. Um, but, you know, Jesus had a different plan. Um, and that had to be some correction, I think, in Peter's understanding um, to, in order for him to move forward. And another example is, is later in Matthew 26. Um, and Jesus says, This very night you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. And again, Peter replied, Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. And then Jesus answers, I tell you the truth, this very night before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. You know, Peter was so certain that he knew what he was going to do. He couldn't conceive that, that he would uh, be scattered and, and, and turn away and, and even deny knowing Jesus. Um, but, you know, Peter's faith was, was not complete. I think God was growing his faith and, and and drawing near to him but there were some things that stood in the way some some you know Peter was very bold and and he he uh, uh, liked to step up and and um, and this is why he was so effective in the ministry but it's but it's also sometimes I think gets in the way of of having faith and trust in God um, 
So he, he couldn't see the power in God, power of God in, in Jesus' suffering. But soon, you know, the guards come. Jesus is betrayed by Judas and taken away by force. But Peter's not ready for this to happen. So he pulls out a sword and tries to stop it. You know, there was there was still not that understanding that um, God had a different plan for Jesus than, than, than Peter thought. Um, and so, again, Jesus has put that sword away. You know, he rebukes him and, and tells him to, to stop it. Um, and, you know, Jesus is led away. And, and this had to be very disillusioning, you know, for Peter, uh, who had expected a very different, I think, future. Um, and sure enough, um, in the in the night that comes, uh, um, Peter denies even knowing Jesus. Um, Jesus is crucified, and the third day he's he's raised from the dead. And um, later in in the story, um, you know, Jesus appears to the disciples, but Peter's still not able to, to comprehend this, and I think he's still not able to you know get over that wall. Uh, and in John 21, he says, you know, I'm going fishing. And he does. He goes fishing. He doesn't catch anything. Uh, he comes back, and Jesus is there to talk to him. And, um, and this is when Jesus and Peter have a conversation where uh, the Lord says, do you love me more than these? And um, Peter says, well, you know that I do. And then Jesus responds, feed my sheep. And you know, he says this three times, you know, calling Peter to the ministry. Um, but I think, you know, it's that at that point that Peter's overcome. Um, he, he's gotten rid of his pride. He's gotten he's he's no longer has that certainty about what he will do. Um, he's he's allowing for um, you know God to adjust uh, his thinking to to his plan to look for God's plan uh, in the things that happen. Um, but, uh, you know, we see in Peter's statement, even if all fall away, I never will. You know, there's, there's some element of pride in that, that, that he thought he was better. Um, but it, it turned out, you know, not, not to be within him to, to do that. Um, and you don't see the, the surety and, and confidence that, that he's got it all figured out. Um, I think at some level, you know, Peter was trusting in his own reasoning more, more than God, but, but God drains that out of him, um, and then he calls him back, you know, um, to be a minister of the gospel. He teaches him to learn to trust what he doesn't understand by what he does understand. You know, our faith should be deeply grounded in reason, but our reasoning is limited. And beyond reason, there is faith, right? And so we no longer see a Peter that wants to pull out a sword and stop something like, like Jesus being arrested. Um, Peter is restored. Jesus calls him to feed my sheep. Uh, and then after that, in, later in John 21, it says, I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And so there's the idea of letting go of control of where you're going and saying, God, wherever you want me to go, that's where I want to go. Um, and not trying to figure it out and, and use our own understanding to, to know that. 
you know, and, and Jesus' question to, to Peter was, uh, Simon, so he called him Simon, uh, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he was saying, you know, do you love me more than the uh, uh, the joy, enjoyment, I guess, of being with Jesus? You know, there, there came a point, I think, where where Peter enjoyed the almost the prestige, the, the honor of being with the Lord, um, and maybe was focused a little more on that than on God himself. And, and God corrected that. You know, he asked him, he says, do you, do you truly love me more than these? And um, from then on, we see Peter sought the, uh, to serve the Lord and um, not necessarily to, to impress other people. But Peter was you know, very radical in his life, and there were many other cases where he, I think, hit that wall. You know, when um, God calls him to preach to the Gentiles, um, I'm sure that was something that he, you know, spiritually was somewhat difficult to comprehend. Um, but you know, through these experiences, I think he learned that um, we grow near to God in times like this. When we hit that wall in what we can understand, God has a way of. of adjusting our perspective <laughs> um, and, and teaching us to, to, to be nearer to him. And so, in, you know, in these moments, um, when I hit the wall, I, I hope that I'm like Peter, you know, not afraid to let God be in control um, and, and to be certain of his faithfulness, uh, not so certain of, of that I can always figure it out, uh, and to realize you know, he has a plan for my good and that he is always near, um, even if I don't see him. If we go back to the end of, of Psalm 73, um, in the last couple of verses, the last verse, it says, um, But for me it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I might tell of all your works. And, and I think that's the the two things that that come from overcoming the wall is that we draw nearer to God, which is good. We make the Lord our refuge, and then the last thing that we go and tell others. I think that's you know there's a reason and a purpose to our our times of suffering, to our times of stretching, to those times when we hit the wall. <laughs> And, and one of them is that we draw nearer to God, but also that we go and tell others that God is still God, that God is still present, that God is near, and he has been all along, and he designed your life with a great purpose. You know, Peter walked closely with Jesus. There were times of being disoriented, but, you know, Peter came back stronger. And who did that? Did Peter do that? No. It was God that did that. God saw Peter's heart. He says, we need to change this and this. And he, he brings about the circumstances to where Peter is closer to him. And he's removed the things that kept them apart. That's what God does. Because God is good. And God is always near. So those are two examples, I think, of, of hitting that wall and then... Seeing God help us to overcome it um, and us in the process going closer to him. So that's my message. <laughs>
I found a stranger to help me fix it. <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, so I, I drove home through the mountains of West Virginia with brakes on the car. What a what a story. Um, but you know, uh, you know, it was so tough for me to say I can't do it this time because I've done it before. You know, it was just just hard. But but I think that was it was good. Um, God provided everything I needed. I just had to ask him for it. <laughs> Sometimes it's harder than it sounds. So let's, let's pray in closing. So. Lord, I ask you to open our eyes to see that you are near. And Lord, let us see your fingerprints on the world around us. Um, and Lord, we thank you for the life that comes through hitting the wall and overcoming it. Um, Lord, you see the things that that keep us apart, and you you make a way to draw us closer. And Lord, we thank you for those times. We thank you for the ways that we don't always understand, but we know, Lord, that you are good, that your desire is for our better. And Lord, we long to live for your glory, to do the things that bring us closer to you. Lord, help us to see you and to focus on you and not just see things in the world, but help us to know ultimately that you are good and how much you love us. That you are a very present help in time of need. And Lord, help us to share that with other people. We ask this in Jesus' name.